All right, everybody, welcome once again to the Three View Mirror, a podcast where us old people, or starting to get old people, try to relive our glory days by bringing up three seemingly random topics that at the end of the episode, we will bring together in a way that will shock and amaze you or at the very least, moderately entertain you. Now, it's important to remember that only our host for the episode knows the three topics, and the rest of us are going to be as surprised as you are when we hear that. I'm John Catrides, better known as Gen X Jono across all my social media platforms, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and I am joined by my two regular co-hosts and one very special co-host. Today, we are welcoming Carmen Gallahar for a very special Three View Mirror Christmas episode. Carmen can be found all over social media as well. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and her small town drama internet soap opera has people tied to it and engaged on their screens like we were way back when we were all wondering who shot JR. We can start by introducing ourselves. Chris? Uh, I'm Chris Clues, better known as Chris Clues. Uh, I am a keynote speaker and author. I talk about the work and life lessons that we can learn from 80s pop culture. The best decade. And I'm Rochelle O'Black, uh, better known as Gen X Shell across my social media accounts, where I focus on Gen X content and generally what it means to be Gen X in today's world. And Carmen. I'm Carmen Gallahar, and you can find me at Carmen Q Gallahar on all my social media um, accounts. And uh, I do Gen X content, but I create them with uh, skits. So today, Carmen is our host. She's running the show. She is going to take us down a journey that will go through the 70s, 80s, 90s. But today, her three topics have a Christmas bent to them. Um, and as I said before, Chris, Shell, and I have no idea what she's come up with. So at this point, Carmen, I'm going to hand it over to you. And you can let us know what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, so I love Christmas movies. So I'm so happy that y'all asked me to do the Christmas edition of y'all's show. And uh, so here are the three Christmas movies that I have chosen. The first one is Year Without a Santa Claus. Yes, I love right. that one. And then I've got, of course, Christmas Vacation. Gotta love some vacation. And Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. I've got <laughs> Home Alone. <laughs> nice. Awesome. So definitely 70s, 80s, and when was Home Alone released? 90s. 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 Yeah. Very nice. 90s. So the first topic was Year Without a Santa Claus. Year Without a Santa Claus. So how many of you watch? So uh, how many of you watched that one just oh my recently God. Oh, yeah. or over and over? Over right? and over. <laughs> Santa is sick, and he's seen by the doctor, and he's like, "Oh, nobody really like he he kind of puts in his head that nobody really believes in Santa." Anymore. Heat miser, snow miser. Yeah. Heat miser and snow miser. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. So, so they're all Raskin. I can't remember the name of the producer. Bass they, and Rankin. Bass, yeah. Bass and Rankin. So Bass a lot of those were Bass and Rankin uh, produced cartoons. And I was reading up on that actually the other day. And they were meant to exist all in the same, kind of like the Marvel universe today. 
they did a similar thing with the Christmas movies, making sure they used the same voices. Mickey Rooney um, as Santa Claus a lot of the time. The same mm-hmm. imagery. In Year Without a Santa Claus, Mrs. Claus can be seen with little red streaks in her hair. Yeah. And in the movie Santa Claus is Coming to Town, you see her as a young Jessica with red hair. So it connects all the way through. That's the one I was confusing it with because I've watched these so many times almost on instant replay that sometimes the movies just, they, they kind of blend. I was showing my kids and my kids just love the misers and the shade that these guys throw at each other is hilarious. I love the heat miser. I, yes, I love all, all the little guys. He's Mr. Heat miser. He's Mr. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, almost Broadway caliber productions, right? Done through claymation, stop action animation and the songs and the choreography and the characterization. I mean, it it was incredible at the time. And there was something we talk about it all the time, like the hidden jokes for the parents and and, and the stuff for the kids. And they had all of that in there. I would love to see how it was made kind of a movie where they show you just how long it would take to make just one of those scenes. The movement. I'm absolutely curious of what that would have entailed. I mean, I know how claymation works, but how long did it take? Because my favorite thing is the bumble. You know, when you watch the bumble in um, Rudolph, you know, you could see his fur shifting, you know, (laughs) when you're watching it. And that was always one of my favorite parts. I'm like, ooh, his fur is even moving whenever I was a kid. So I heard that the little puppets that they used, like one of the secretaries had them and she had them in her attic. So for years they were looking for them. Really? And there's only like a few that are left because she used to let her kids play with them. (gasps) Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. She She let her kids burn millions of dollars playing with them. Yeah. Yeah. So they found them, uh, I want to say maybe in the nineties or something. Wow. Um, but there was only like three of them that they could like, that were in good shape. The others had been kind of played with too much. That's insane. Uh, Those things should wow. be in like the Smithsonian. Really? And said sure. Margaret yeah. had them in her attic. Yeah. I think her name was Margaret. <laughs> <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> the only thing better than the roof was Aunt Bethany. <laughs> oh my God, Aunt Bethany. Bethany, yeah, Bethany. I love like, I mean, even like Elf, you know, Elf had a nod to the claymations, you know, oh, by yeah. Mr. Norwell or Nor- Norwell, by Mr. Norwell, the whale. And like that, that was one of my favorite parts, just that little yeah. piece, because it really like it transported me back to being six or seven years old and waiting for those those shows. So as, as great as the movie Elf is, one of my favorite parts was just that little nod to the claymation. of Yeah. Old. I think they had to refix those parts or they had to do something to it because it was too similar. Cause did you watch on Netflix? They have like the movies that made us or whatever. Yeah. And that's oh, yeah, one yeah, of yeah. them. So uh, there's a good little piece to um, the Bass and Rankin and they had to like go back and fix stuff because otherwise they were going to get sued. Well, here's an interesting thing about Bass and Rankin and Rudolph. You guys realize that, like, you've seen, like, there's Geico commercials that use Rudolph and all these different commercials all over the place uh, using that imagery. At the beginning of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, there's the, the, the title sequence, and it says the copyright date. But they wrote it in Roman numerals, and whoever <laughs> did that, misrepresented the Roman numerals. And instead of writing 1962 or 68 or whatever it was, they wrote 1162. So they had a really hard time enforcing their copyright and finally Mm. gave up. And people are just using it like without it, with all abandoned because it would have expired based on when they published 
when yeah. their copyright existed. And because Rudolph, that, that title sequence is far more seen, they can argue that, no, you told the world it was 1162. Your copyright has long since expired. And that's why it's entered almost into a de facto public domain. Did wow. not know that. And that is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Where'd Chris go? Crisco. You guys would be shocked to know that my Christmas tree is all pop culture ornaments. And just in, in, you know, for the year without a Santa Claus, and we're talking about those claymations, here's one of my favorite ornaments. Oh. Humble. Love him. Yep. Used to scare the hell out of me as a kid. He's amazing. Oh, I... I remember being really so afraid cute. for Rudolph. Yeah. I just recorded a whole video today about my Christmas tree that is covered in Rudolph ornaments. It's a real touching little uh, story. So I'm going to release that right before Christmas. Do you have a hard time streaming Rudolph at your house or do you have a copy of it to watch? I'm teenagers now. So that Rudolph is out. Rudolph is only for me. Yeah. Well, I can't find it like because it's on CBS and like CBS has like certain contracts that you can't. I think Paramount would be the only place that would show it. And I saw a bunch of them, I think on Hulu's got a few as well, but it's difficult. And that's the thing. Like I always will uh, always and often will complain that Apple bought the rights to all the peanuts holiday Mm -hmm. special. So now, unless you're going to be on Apple TV, they've taken it away. And some of my kids would be like, well, those are boring anyway. Like my 11 year old is not enraptured in any way by the peanuts gang. It takes way too long to set up the joke. Um, So who cares? But I care. Yeah. Uh, the other, you know, I was thinking it's funny. Just the other thing I was going to say was um, we talked about Rudolph and the copyright screw up and Margaret keeping all the toys. They didn't really take care of these things very well. They messed up their copyright date. They lost the puppets. Yeah. I mean, this was a cherished treasure. They treated like a piece of crap. Yeah. And maybe they didn't know it was going to be a cherished treasure at the time. You know, it was a mystery to them. They just thought they were making a great claymation movie, never knowing it was going to become a classic for the rest of us. Kind of like, you know, I got this Beavis and Butthead right here. You know, I'm sure they thought that was going to be a classic. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? (laughs) That's right. It didn't hit. It made John angry, but that's about it. Carmen, you know what you what you brought up with the misers? Like I I love them. And now that you said it, like I'm thinking about the way that you positioned it where you're like they threw so much shade at each other. Oh yeah. And that was not like that kind of snarky humor wasn't prevalent, at least it may have been in, in you know, private life, but not yeah. in entertainment at the time. There wasn't that snarkiness, particularly when it came to kids stuff. So it's pretty yeah. It's pretty awesome now that I think about all the stuff that they're going back and forth with. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I put some of the a couple of the scenes on my like Instagram stories because I was watching it, and my older daughter who's in high school, she just thought it was hilarious because like you know Snow Miser's like, hey, hotcakes. You know he's calling his brother hotcakes and he's getting peace fuming. And one of my favorite parts is when the Heat Miser <clears throat> sees Mrs. Claus and he's like, um, hey, Mrs. Claus, where's your husband? And and it's the way he says it, and he's like so upset about um, the whole snow thing uh, with uh, his brother and uh, Santa Claus. So he's like, "Where's your husband?" Making another commercial for my brother. But in my mind, I'm thinking he wants to say something else to Mrs. Claus. You know, like the whole oh, yeah. <laughs> the way he says it. <laughs> but it's it's really funny. Yeah, they're the queens of shade to me. Like it's like that's the beginning of shade throwing. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that and was my. That was my favorite one anyway of all of them. 
I think Gen I love them. Throwing. What's that show? I said Gen X knows throwing shade. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I loved all of them almost equally. Like there was a, a pattern to it, but like growing up with Rudolph first. And then, like I said, but all of them were by demand must see TV. We talk about it all the time. The urgency that existed in watching television because yeah. you know you guys said it oh where do you stream it where can i watch it whenever i want to watch it and yeah. that's the mentality today and if we can't we're like what do you mean i have to wait till cbs decides to show it mm -hmm. i don't have a tv mm -hmm. guide anymore how the hell am i supposed to know when that's gonna yeah. be um and so we you know if we can't watch it on demand we often miss it entirely now because mm -hmm. we don't watch tv the way we used to we, we we fast forward commercials so we don't get to see the don't miss it coming up this thursday rudolph the red-nosed reindeer yeah. it's just a different world yeah and um, the whole family getting together to sit down and watch it was mm -hmm. like the most memorable thing like growing up um about these cartoons and like i can't get my kids to come in i'm like come on guys let's watch a christmas cartoon and every like i want to watch one every night and they're like all we had to do was click through you know you take the doll and you click through like what you know we got maybe three to ten channels at the most and you click yeah. through something was bound to be on at eight o'clock at night during the christmas yep. season so you just kind of flip through and hope to find the best and you know and two other ones that i can remember that we didn't talk about was uh rudolph shiny new year oh, and yeah. um Nestor, Nestor the donkey. Which oh, Nestor the longer donkey, yeah. yeah. The longer we, donkey, yeah. We named him Les, uh, Nestor the ball baby donkey when we were kids because oh. all he did was cry. <laughs> oh, my God. It was, it was sad. It was sad. It's still now I'm sad thinking about Nestor and how he got bullied. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, well that's just it. That all was of like characters got bullied. All of them. Yeah. yeah. Santa bullied Rudolph, too. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, his father, Santa. It was like we were being trained as young kids to know number one how to bully, and then oh, yeah. number two, when it happened, you rose above it. Nobody ever cried necessarily, except for maybe Nestor. They they didn't complain to anyone. You know, Rudolph didn't yeah. go back home after being not allowed in any of the reindeer games and bitch and moan to his parents. He just he just ran away. He's like, screw it, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> peace out uh, yeah uh -huh. because they there was a lot of shaming too you know like i'm gonna shame you i'm gonna put some mud on your nose and it, it you know you don't get to you don't get to be a part of the reindeer games his dad yeah. literally rubbed some dirt on it yeah literally but if you think about it too if you think about it from like if, if you think about it from the perspective of the lesson that they were teaching us though was it you know you look at like take take nestor and rudolph for example what did they have? They had these these special abilities based on uh, something physical about them that was different than the other kids. And so they were teaching us a really valuable lesson about how just because somebody might look different or act different, they're special too. Like they're important as well. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Rudolph showed that what made him different also made him awesome. And the same with Nestor. What made him different also made him awesome. And so they were teaching acceptance as well. You had to go through this whole story to get there. And there was a lot of, you know, we look back now, we think, God, Santa bullying Rudolph is kind of ridiculous. But at the end of the day, what happened? You know, the 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 kid, the you know, the donkey, their Nestor and the and um Rudolph ultimately at the end, everybody wanted to be like them and they were different. And that's a really important lesson for kids. 
Yeah, but devil's advocate, you can also say they bullied and cast him out until they really needed him. And the only reason he was accepted at all is he came to school with the shiny new toy. And then they, they just used him. So if you're the weird kid that has nothing to bring to the table, you're still floating out there on an ice log. Well, we have oh, just... maybe. I mean, go ahead, Shell. No, we just have the perfect example here of optimism and pessimism. Yeah. <laughs> One person saying, you know, um, that, that whole Rudolph thing, Santa's a jerk, you know, uh, and then Chris is like, yes, but it's a beautiful life lesson. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's, you know, and again, like, so however he ended up, however they ended up in the position that they were in, the reality is, you know, they could use that moving forward and they would be better prepared for challenges ahead of them. So Without I, a doubt. I mean, I love it. There's a reason and, it's called devil's advocate. <laughs> I, and I want to bring up Bumble again too, because we talked earlier when, I don't know if we were recording or not about how Gen Z loves or embraces Gen X in our, in our pop culture. And I think Bumble without Bumble, there's no small foot, which is one of my favorite um, animated movies to come out in the last 20 years. I love small foot. Yeah. But you have to think it was a little bit influenced by Bumble. Matt, just, uh, yeah. I do. I did not see Smallfoot, but all I can remember the uh, Bumble and Yukon Cornelius, and when he would lick his little uh, ice pick, nothing. Yeah, nothing. Well, and talking about songs, Silver and Gold, one of the best. <laughs> Yeah, like, there's certain songs. songs that played through all these movies. And, like, Silver and Gold, I remember, the, I'm like, did they, was that, like, a real song that they borrowed? It was hard to imagine that it originated there because it was so prominent, prominent, prevalent, prevalent, I mean, prevalent. a word, uh, prevalent throughout, like, my childhood growing up. That song just kept coming out, and, and kids were singing it, and it was just, yeah. again, amazing music. I, I did want to not forget to say, like, Rochelle, you made me feel like literally feel a moment from my childhood when you said like clicking through the channels at 8 p.m. during the mm -hmm. holiday season. And I just remember, okay, it's a Tuesday night. It's eight o'clock. Mom and dad are gifting us the right to look and see if there's something on. And you're <laughs> flipping through and you hit CBS at 8.01 and you see the word special rotating around in a circle with that music and that feeling of, oh my God, I don't know what's about to happen, but it's going to be good. It was <laughs> the not knowing was part of what made it yeah. good. But the word told us this is about to be special. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if kids have that feeling because mm -hmm. they order whatever they want. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. judging. And, yeah. and in fact, I almost feel bad. That was an amazing feeling. Yeah. 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 And yeah, you feel bad when Santa was sick though. Back to Carmen's oh. movie. Did you feel bad when Santa was sick or were you like, down with that jerk? <laughs> well, you know, because, I mean, at the time, I didn't connect the Santa with the Santa, you know, back in with Rudolph. And then I, I, I want to say I didn't even think Santa was a jerk when I was little. It's not till I got older that I'm like, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> Santa. But I did feel bad for Santa because he's laying in his bed and you know, he's just like, you know what? Nobody even cares. So let's just cancel it for this year. Let's, who cares? So, yeah. Awesome. Well, that brings us to the at least 15 minute mark on topic number one. This is going to be another marathon episode to, 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 to edit down to our, or maybe it'll be a part one and part two. Uh, second topic was Christmas vacation. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. 
love that movie. I don't know. I can watch this movie over and over. Uh, I'll have it on in the background while we're just doing nothing, you know. <laughs> what, what's your uh, favorite scene? What's your favorite quote, Carmen, from the entire movie? Because I know if you watch it over and over, I did. I can quote just about the whole thing. Hey, Griswold, where are you going to put a tree that big? <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. Uh, and we say that we say that in this house my youngest twins are eight um you know my oldest is 15 and any chance we can get as parents to say that to them like where are we going to put this or where you know like, <laughs> inappropriate but they, <laughs> they totally get it's from a christmas vacation trying to raise them tough <laughs> Why don't you take care of that there, Russ, when he hands a big ball of lights that's all, all all tied up. Yeah. That's your family's. That's what she said, right? That's your, uh, that's your, yeah. Yeah. We say that one too. We love the office. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. well, what's y'all's favorite uh, vacation, a uh, Christmas vacation line? Do y'all have one? Why yeah. is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> I don't know, Margo. <laughs> Mine is, uh, you surprised, Clark? And he's like, Eddie, I'd be more surprised if I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet. Oh, he says, I wouldn't be more surprised if I woke up tomorrow morning with my head sewn to the carpet. I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. Yeah, for me, it's it's uh, it's it's the 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 I pledge allegiance all the way through play ball. I absolutely love that scene. That's hilarious. The blessing. The blessing. The blessing. Oh my God. So we talked about vacation as a topic on a previous episode. And I think we okay. all agreed pretty much as much as we loved vacation for being what introducing a lot of us to John Candy and, you know, all the different, the Christy Brinkley scenes and whatever. We agreed that Christmas vacation was kind of like Godfather two in that the sequel was actually better than the original. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, and, and for me, I absolutely loved Christmas Vacation, if at all possible, even more than, than the original Vacation, definitely. Yeah. I think, too, because, like, it's like, like it's a, with Christmas Vacation, it's just, it's a must-watch during the month of December. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, so that amps it up, you know, and um, everything that he goes through, you just, like, at some point in your life, you go through that during Christmas. <laughs> Oh, yeah. totally relatable. The Christmas yeah. lights. I went to Walmart this year. We were talking about this before. I went to Walmart this year. I've seen this cute little stuffed squirrels just in all of their stuff. <laughs> I took a squirrel and I literally shoved it down into the back of my tree. And so when people are coming, because like my family loves to come and look at the ornaments and see how yeah. everything is decorated, they can see the squirrel in there because I literally, I laugh every single time, even though I know that squirrel is bouncing around on his back. <laughs> I still laugh. It's hilarious. You know, for them to even come up with that little whole shtick with the squirrel, I mean, the writers just A1. Amazing. Fantastic. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, another great thing about Christmas Vacation and 80s movies in general is who we got introduced to and then watching them grow in their careers. <clears throat> so, you know, of course, Rusty becomes Leonard Hofstetter in Big Bang Theory. Also, he's in Roseanne, but Roseanne. Because, yeah. So, uh, and then Juliette Lewis. Um, so we see these two early on in their careers and then, wow, what amazing careers they had moving forward. And I mean, just how lucky, or I shouldn't say lucky, but but how I say how fortunate and also how talented for Johnny Galecki to be part of three 
of the most, uh, I would say like, Oh yeah. I mean, biggest pop culture, iconic shows, movies, whatever with Christmas vacation, Roseanne, and then the big bang theory. Um, so yeah, I mean, they, you know, it's cool to go back and see people getting started like that as well. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Like he's like, whatever he touches turns to gold, silver and gold. Let's hope not. Silver and gold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and Julie Louis Dreyfus too. Like I'm this, uh, vacation, Christmas vacation was 89. Yeah. When did Seinfeld really take off? Was it like early nineties? It started yeah. in 89, first yeah. season. Yeah. First season yeah. was the Seinfeld Chronicles from the pilot. No one was really watching, yeah. uh, except for me. And she didn't come in until like a few episodes later, right? She wasn't in the first she few episodes? She wasn't in the pilot. They were going to have a waitress play the female role. That mm. was going to be who was going to be important in Seinfeld to the pilot. They had a waitress that was going to be a recurring, kind of like Carla attitude from Cheers. And then they decided, mm. no, we need somebody more prevalent as a friend. And they brought in the Elaine character. Um, I love Seinfeld. Thank God. I yeah, I love Seinfeld. Love yeah. Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, she was she came off of SNL and mm-hmm. filmed that, mm-hmm. and I just her character. Uh, it was just a, every we. I've said it before. I love movies where it's almost like there's the movie, and then there's the movie you don't see, but subconsciously maybe you imagine. Like we could see this movie from the neighbor's point of view. That would be an entirely different movie. You know, and still just as entertaining, you know, just to see how they deal with living next door to the Griswolds. Um, You know, you've got Cousin Eddie. That's it. There's all these other movies going on at the same time. And those are the kinds of things that I just I don't see as much. It's the other dimensional, third dimensional aspect to these movies that we grew up with. Well, there was a Cousin Eddie. I don't know if it was a vacation or a Cousin Eddie Christmas vacation part two, straight mm-hmm. to DVD kind of a movie. It exists. I know it does because at one point I owned it, but I never watched it. Um, I think I bought it for my kids and never stuck it in the VCR and then off it went to Goodwill or something. But yeah. it does exist. Are you sure? I'm positive. It is, it, you're, yeah. It's not like Cowtail's Alien Letter exists. It actually exists. You've seen it. You, you've had eyes on it. Because sometimes, I, Shell, in all fairness, you say things exist. And, you know, the rest of the world, not so sure. Yeah. Two, two out of seven billion agree with you. Yeah. That's right. Two people agree with me that they know what the alien letter is. That's right. Yeah. I still love, too, like, I mean, that, you know, what is it, Clark? It's the uh, it's a membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. And Cousin Eddie, well, Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving all the year long. Yes, yes, it does. I remember as a kid being like, how big is this Christmas bonus? I mean, in ground pool. Still, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because when he says it's, um, what is the bonus? 20%. He goes, take your bonus and add 20%. And he faints. I'm like, like, what is this guy making? How much is he putting in the in ground pool with it? That's what I mean. (laughs) And it was 17,000. How much was the pool? 15 grand, I think. 15,000. 15 is in my head, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. So adjusted for inflation, that's like forty two thousand. Yeah. That's about right, I guess. And if there was enough left over, he was going to fly everybody in on his dime. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. Movie. I wasn't bougie enough back in the eighties for in ground pools. We were we were above ground, uh, blow up, white trash kind of bougie yeah. in my neighborhood. Wow. <laughs> hey, me and my cousins try to dig like make a hole for our own pool, like so. <laughs> Did it work? No, uh, no we got into some serious trouble for making a hole in his backyard. So, <laughs> now that should be a small town drama episode. Yeah, that <laughs> should. 
we used to do the hope the slip and slides together and we would take and pull together all the neighborhood slip and slides and tie them together and put them in one big string and put them down the hill till the, you you had a good run and then we would get all these blankets down at the bottom until there was like a mud pit that you could you know land yourself in. i wish i had pictures of it because we did it all the time not to jump off the slip and slide topic but no we haven't even talked about the whole the, the one of the, the the great scene with the uh perfume counter girl oh. i need to, i mean can be any hooter hotter than it is i, I love my wife about that though and i brought it up when we talked about vacation i still think it's funny that in both vacation and then later christmas vacation they're basically telling us that the the, the good guy in the story you know clark is if given the opportunity an adulterer and we're all laughing he jumps into the pool naked. I mean, yeah. he's obviously my 11 year old. We watched vacation and my wife and I are laughing and enjoying the movie. And my 11 year old's like, does he want to kiss her? But he's married. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, damn. You know, it's like he, he, yeah. And, and it was, I mean, and we say it, that was, that was then. Yeah. The whole movie's inappropriate, you know, and I, I'll like, when I first started showing this to my kids, I was like, oh, maybe, wait, hold on. Like, I didn't see it then. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh my God. But now they're so used to this movie, they don't even care. <laughs> I showed it to my kids fairly young, having had a break in there of not watching it, you know, maybe, but you know, those years before you have kids. So I started showing, oh, you're going to love this. This is a Christmas movie. And I'm sitting there like, oh, maybe, oh, yeah. that, oh maybe, maybe we should stop. <laughs> I call that an airplane moment. I watched yeah. Airplane for the first time with my youngest when she was 10. Yeah. Because it was PG. Yeah. I'm like, I just did a video on this. Airplanes, trains, and automobiles was R because of a string of 18 F words uttered in a row. But mm-hmm. Airplane was PG. So I watching it as, you know, the little girl has served her coffee or the, 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 the woman is running back and forth topless on the plane. <laughs> I mean... I don't know how stupid or slow I am because I had a few of the, Ooh, should I stop it? Oh, but I never <laughs> did. But it was Isn't the- there like, on that one where like the little, um, the blow up like comes down. Yes. And, uh, right. Yeah. And yes. her head is in its lap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my daughter's like, up. what's he doing? And my wife's like, she's blowing, blowing up the balloon. Yeah. My parents took me, but I mean, that was what it like. It was just different. Like my, my parents, because my, my dad had a small production company, he was introducing me to entertainment earlier than I should have been. And I was seven, I think. And my mom and dad took me to the movie theater to see a movie called Silver Streak with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. And oh. the very first scene, to your point, this girl comes out of the train car topless and I, I, this is one of my first time. My mom looked at my dad and like, what, what the hell are you doing? And my dad's like, oh, well, you know, I mean, he's not going to remember when he, when he gets home, he's seven. <laughs> he's not going to like, he doesn't even know what's happening right now. I really didn't at seven years old, but I did remember all the F-bombs and just like the little kids in South Park. If you ever saw the South Park movie where they came out of the theater and they're dancing and singing the song with all the F-bombs in it. That's, that's what I was doing. And you remembered well you remember. 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. For, for 46 years later. And I still remember that scene. It was, yeah, pretty amazing. 
we had there were so many topless scenes i feel like you know you had <laughs> it was so vacation. normal yeah yeah well yeah the, i loved it on the vacation like he does like a throwback to almost like the fast times at richmond high like where she's like in the red bikini she jumps in the pool comes out and i'm like <laughs> don't yeah. do it clark and that's when Eddie's little girl comes in and she says something about, you know, and last Christmas we got, was it shafted? She said, we, we got, got the shafted. Shaft. Yeah. This is one of my favorite quotes too. From my Christmas tree. Shitter's full. Oh, Shitter's full. Yep. Hold on. On my old eyes, I have to put glasses on. There you go. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so far I have an ornament for every movie you talked about. Oh, Which cool. is a good segue to bring us, I guess, to the third topic that we are going to discuss today which is home alone uh i've been seeing so many like different uh things on social media of people like kind of like re i guess their their take on home alone there's this girl on instagram and she's a uh, like she's the neighbor she goes if you're yeah if you were the neighbor you know to the pe these people um like all the things that she would say or do like oh look little kevin's out there doing this again like it, just, it was it's hilarious i need to find her and send it to you because it's it's really funny um i just but, remember yeah. their house being the most gigantic thing i had ever <laughs> seen and and you know no wonder they lost little kevin in it because it was like he could have been four floors away and 17 rooms later yeah uh, so and then, somebody like, actually how, asked me about that. I got a, uh, a message from one of my followers saying, hey, is there any, you know, why, you know, it wasn't just little Kevin. It was uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. The the house that C. Martin's family lived in was, and it basically was because of the neighborhood that John Hughes grew John up Hughes, in was yeah. a very affluent Chicago suburb and still mm -hmm. is to this day. So it just speaks to his story and, and what yeah. he grew up seeing. And those are the kinds of neighborhoods that he filmed in. And that's why all the houses look like that. Yeah, there was there was a definitely a look to to all of his movies. And, you know, it, it comes from, of course, right, experience of what you've experienced. And right. so uh, yeah, I always wanted to live in a house like that or anything like the house from 16 Candles, always a two story, always this beautiful, like representation of the perfect neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and, and this bit. The one of the worst parts of that movie, whenever I watched it when I was a lot younger, um, and I, I was older, I mean, so but still, the spider on the face that mm. might oh. have been the freakiest moment for me in, in, the, in the entire film. Yeah, I hate spiders, mm -hmm. I do too. Not a fan, I do too. I, I've talked about that before, I think, on an episode where I said that you could. You could, you know, if somebody tried to rob me at gunpoint, I'd probably at least try to fight. But if you rob me at spider point, you can have everything. Like, you put a tarantula in my face and I'll be like, dude, whatever. Just please, like, I'll I'll garnish my wages, whatever it is. Just don't, you know. No, the fear is real with spiders. We, we, one, we were driving in a, I live in like in a country area and we were taking my daughter to like this little party. And there was this thing in the middle of the road. And I told my husband, I said, look, there's a puppy. So I it moves off the street, this like dirt road, and I pull up and he says, oh, I'm going to go get it. So he brings it to the suburban and he, I open up the window and he has this, he has it in his hat. And I'm like, what kind of puppy is this? Oh my God. It's a tarantula. I thought I was going to die. I screamed my body just like went cold. I was like, <laughs> freaked out. I was like, 
it looked at me. So I was like, it was, I was going to have nightmares. It looked at me, get it out of here. I can't, I can't. <laughs> yeah. It was as big as a puppy. I went to college hills of California and that was the same thing like they would come out and sun themselves on the road and we would go on these field trips because I was in the, in a science program so we go on these field trips in these vans and I'm like what is that sound that it was and it was just hitting all of the tarantulas that were all over hitting oh. themselves on the road it was I could still nope. feel and hear that nope oh nope. that's so gross I'd be dead. <laughs> Shell, you mentioned we were older with Home Alone, and you're right, because it came out, what, 90, 1990? 90. I was a well, freshman was, when it uh, came out. And I was 20. But I remember, like, in my memory, I'm a, I'm a kid watching these. Because what yeah. Home Alone yeah. did really well for me is, in my memory, when I sat watching it the first, second, third time, it really did take me back to being a kid. Because mm. I, even though the fact is, this wasn't a, a movie I grew up watching as a kid, my memory plays tricks on me and I feel like I did because I've watched it so many mm -hmm. times and then got to enjoy it with my kids. It's one of the movies that held up yeah. um, for whatever oh, yeah. reason. I oversold year without a Santa Claus. I oversold yeah. even Christmas mm -hmm. vacation to my kids because there's more moments of downtime in those movies than I remembered. And kids today seem to not do well with that downtime. It's that TikTok yeah. every minute. Something's got to grab my attention. Home alone does that. Yeah. yeah. So it, my kids love it too. Yeah, absolutely kept their attention. Home Alone mm -hmm. One, Home Alone Two. Two, they love part two. Yep. Did After see, that, it kind of falls off. Yeah. Did you see that Macaulay Culkin did a new version with the Google Assistant, the like the Alexa kind of thing? He did a new commercial as himself yeah. now, but using Google to assist him to yes. feed all the bad guys down. <laughs> It's I, I I mean I love it and I think too like you know I mean the, to your point John about how you feel like you were a kid when you were watching it and there were movies there were still some movies in the nineties that did that like for example for me the Sandlot I yes. feel like I was a kid when I watched that but I was twenty six yeah when it came out and Home Alone is the exact same way and I just it's it's really I I never really thought about it that way but it's true like I. I feel like I was 10 when I watched Home Alone. It plays tricks on our memories on an emotional level because it throws – I in my memory, I lump Home Alone and Sandlot in with the movies I watched in the early 80s because they're of that kind of movie. Mm -hmm. um, so my memory lumps them together. If I didn't know better, I'd say, yeah, Sandlot was 83 and Home Alone was 85 <laughs> when we know yeah. for a fact they weren't. Yeah. yeah. And Chris, to your point, when you, you said about, we, I believe our generation is very much kids at heart. I think we do lump that stuff together because a lot of us really enjoyed our youth and then we stayed kids, maybe because we, we were adults too early. So we stayed kids for all those years and we remember something when we're 26 as if we were 12. And, and I could see that. I love that. Yeah. yeah I and, we're, and we're still doing it today. Like my wife was like, who's coming on the show today? And I said, well, you know, Carmen, the person I've done those collaborations with, I go, she's going to come play with us. And that's what it feels like. Like yeah. Carmen's coming over today and she's going to play with us. Cause come on, our parents would not have done this. They wouldn't. And, and we're still doing all the other things. We're still yeah. working 40 hours a week. We're still raising our kids. We're still making sure the house is kept up and the bills are paid, but somehow, we're allocating that time that our parents to play still. And I think that's mm -hmm. incredible. And Carmen, we always talk about it's a three view mirror because the three of us are looking back, but like a rear view mirror, we're still driving forward at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how can we show what's in the rear view mirror into our future? And that's part of this. Just keep playing, keep 
enjoying these movies and sharing them and, and still be a kid. Yeah. Gen X always shared the sandbox. Or you could, you could be like me and still Peter Pan, no kids, never <laughs> married. We talk about it all the time, right? You're like, Oh, we're, we're all taking care of our kids. I'm like, speak for yourself. I got a kid. He's 72 pounds, <laughs> but the little Bodie boy over here. Um, but I also with uh, home alone too, like it, we were talking about how you look back and you see like Santa Claus and you're like, Oh my God, he was like actually bullying Rudolph. And you know, there's questions about the karate kid who was the real bully in the karate kid oh. was Daniel actually the bully yeah. at the end of it. And then you think about home alone and how ridiculous these parents were mm. that they left their kid like for, and they, they went on vacation, like just totally forgot him and didn't even realize it until much later. And so there's always that conversation around how could they have possibly forgotten their kid? I don't have kids. Maybe you can forget them. I don't know. But I feel like if my parents forgot me, it would have been on purpose like Joe Dirt. They would have just like left me at a at a rest stop somewhere. Oh, my God, Joe Dirt. <laughs> well, my kids brought that up the first time. They're like, did they not know that they didn't? And I'm like, guys, it's not as uncommon as you think. Now, maybe our generation uncommon as parents, but our generation as kids, I'm like, I could totally see. I mean, how many times you weren't a Gen X kid if you weren't lost at the mall? If you weren't lost at the store, if you were, I mean, our parents lost us left and right. And yeah, this was a leap because it's a yeah. movie, but it's not that big of a leap. Yeah. No, like, and it wasn't even our parents. Like, I think back to like school, our teachers didn't just let us run free. Mm. I was in kindergarten and I remember one day I decided to walk home. And after like my mom, like she came to pick me up and they had the whole town looking for me. I was at home enjoying a snack or a bowl of cereal, watching some cartoons or whatever. And uh, they had to change the whole rule at, at our elementary school that the teachers had to wait until um, we were actually picked up by our parents. We had the same rule at my school, but I didn't know until this moment why we called it the Carmen Q. Galahar rule. <laughs> at the time, it was called the Carmen Quintanilla rule. <laughs> Well, Home Alone also, like, I mean, obviously what, what's fascinating about Home Alone for me too is that I think about certain actors or actresses and the roles that they played and when they go outside of that and whether they can pull it off. And yeah. so you have a guy like Joe Pesci, who's known to be the mobster. Yeah. And he pulled off the, the comedy. He pulled off the physical comedy the same way that De Niro did with, you know, Meet the Parents where suddenly he goes from like the mobster and then the guy that we're all afraid of to suddenly meet the parents. And, you know, we're supposed to be afraid of the dad, but it was comedy. And so Joe Pesci was able to pull that off. And then John Candy doing his little cameo, you know, and in, in the polka thing. So yeah. it's great. I remember it kind of being a big deal that Joe Pesci was in this doing a comedy uh, rather than, you know, his, his normal stuff. I remember that. Rochelle's always really good at reminding us that no matter what the, the host has in mind for the hidden connection or the connection of these shows, there's always so many more that we don't realize. And just watching, yeah. I was thinking, you know, we talked about how the shows with Year Without a Santa Claus, they were interconnected. They were the sequels that came to mm -hmm. it. And with Christmas Vacation, it was a sequel that I actually love better than the original. And, and there's a connection because with Home Alone, it also succeeded in spawning a sequel. Home Alone 2 was at least as good in a lot of ways as Home Alone. And I love that they were able to take something we loved and make more of it. And all of these did that. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I noticed the theme of... of 
bullies, you know, it, 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 as Carmen pointed mm-hmm. out, I never really thought about Santa being a bully. <laughs> I mean, because that's the way it was at the time. You didn't yeah. think about Santa being a bully. But then, you know, there's the bullies in Home Alone. They're trying to bully a kid. And then mm-hmm. Clark, in so many ways, he's a bully to cousin Eddie, you know, it, it, yeah. it, all the all the time. So, you know, that would be another thing that is well, running through my mind. And Clark's boss was a bully. Yes, oh, I mean, he probably, yeah. absolutely. So there's absolutely the bully in that movie for <laughs> as well. That's a great connection that if it's not the connection, then it, it's something that's there as well. And it runs through. Frank Shirley brought yeah. from his holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with yeah. all the other rich people right here with a big red ribbon on him. <laughs> and of course, here goes. Dog farting whatever they do to that whole spiel is. I love the scene where Eddie just slips out during that. Like all of a sudden you just see him like, there he goes. It's gone. His heart is bigger than his brain. It's it's the trombone playing in the background when it, you know, when he's in in his big RV. Yeah. Yeah. Through the door. Gotta love that RV. Something Carmen mentioned earlier too, when we think about, you know, connections and it might be, might be too obvious because you mentioned earlier, but you had talked about all people, you know, gathering around as a family to watch these holiday specials and in this instance, Christmas specials. But I, that is a big thing for me. I remember watching uh, the year without a Santa Claus with my family. I watched Christmas vacation at home when I came home from college for Christmas with my family uh, Home Alone was the same way. Like, you know, I mean, I watched it with my friends, but I did watch it with my family. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I know we have those shows now, but, you know, my family is my dog, Bodie. So he watches whatever I want to watch. No, and I think the yeah. three of us could tell you that even with extended families, kids and whatnot, it, it, it doesn't happen the same way. It's very hard to make that happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the m- most best memories I have about watching those Christmas shows with family was because you usually had a console TV that sat on the floor. Your favorite yeah. place to sit and watch that show was sitting crisscross applesauce, uh, you know, we used to call it Indian yeah. style, sitting Indian yeah. style in front of the TV while your parents had the comfy couches or whatever it was they had. There were no big yeah. sectionals. Maybe there was a recliner and one couch and the kids mm-hmm. sat on the floor. And sitting yeah. on the floor like that, watching a Christmas special, watching that CBS spiral come down was absolutely, it, it, it'll burn, it's burning my brain forever. Yeah. Yeah, you want to, you wanted to sit in front of the TV as close as you could, right? But get away from it because you're going to go, you know. Gonna you're going to ruin, ruin your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and it created a closeness. We talk about how our families were close during these moments, but it created a physical closeness as well. Mm -hmm. Because if you had siblings, they were literally two inches next to you on Mm -hmm. the floor. So we were all huddled together, sharing the Jiffy Pop. You know, it's, you're right. It literally burned forever in my brain. One of my happiest, best moments. And it happened more around the the holidays than anything else. So are we, are we more, are we like, snow miser way cold from what the connection is or are we more heat miser getting close to what the connection is chris i like your thinking i think we're getting i think we're you're getting close um and in i guess yeah you're kind of getting close yeah okay sounds a little lukewarm anybody have anything else to say on before we i mean there's still a lot on home alone carmen's shirt i mean the the quote on her shirt is fantastic 
I mean, how many people know that quote? And a lot of people who never even saw the movie. Yeah. The impact that some of these quotes have had from these classic movies, even people haven't seen them. And Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. I'd probably say that 25 or 30 times during the Christmas season. He's, he said it um, when he got his uh, star on the Walk of Fame. That was oh, his really? last line. Did yeah. he really? Yeah. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is cool. Yeah, I literally looked for the movie he was watching in the in the hotel during uh, the or, oh. or during during the hotel, and then earlier on the TV on the original Home Alone, and didn't realize they created those for the yeah, movie. Yeah, it's fake. It's yeah. fake. Really? Yeah, I, when I first saw it, I thought I was like, "Oh, what is this movie? This is a cool movie. I want to watch." But it's yeah, they made it for the movie. Did not know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Mm -mm. Oh. I thought it was a and real movie. I didn't want to look it up. It was black and white. I mean, what do I want to look that up for? I watched black, black and white. And, white and I thought that was cool because even though this was the 90s, when we were kids, we watched Laurel and Hardy. We watched yeah. uh, Abbott Costello. Costello. Yeah, we watched some of those things. Three even Stooges, though they were black and white. Uh, Abs, yeah. uh, Little Rascals. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, the Abbott Costello, I did the uh, for my junior year <laughs> talent show. My buddy and I did Who's on First. And we were in my room for, I mean, probably two weeks straight, just trying to memorize all of it because there was so much to it and, yeah. uh, and we pulled it off. But yeah, I mean, that was what I mean, they did. That I know a lot of it. Ago. We memorized it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. But we all knew it. You know, we all knew what it was from. Yeah. And I think that's what like our parents, like they showed us. And I think that's like kind of like what, like I we try to do right with our kids is show them what we love because our parents showed us kind of like what they loved to watch when they were kids. And we watched it all and we loved it. And I think it's just so disappointing, you know, when we show our kids something and they're like, eh. <laughs> like <laughs> see, I'll go the other way too, though. Like my parents didn't. So a different experience. My parents immigrated here from Greece, so they couldn't okay. show me what they watched as kids. But yeah. even without that push, we discovered it on our own. And what yeah. I find disheartening sometimes is today with the entire library of the history of the world available to them, they don't search it out. You know, mm -hmm. I watched I Love Lucy with my mom. I watched these old shows and and the Bing Crosby Christmas movies to bring it back to mm -hmm. Christmas, Silver Bells and White Christmas. And just, you know, we, we watched them partly because it was on TV and our parents dictated sometimes what was on TV. But we searched this stuff out and, and, and they don't because I think there's too much available much, today yeah. for them to take the time to look at what happened yesterday. Yeah. So YouTube is huge, which is why I love YouTube, right? Cause YouTube YouTubers are the new TV stars. This is what kids watch. And anytime that I come up with a skit and I talk about like a TV show or whatever, that's when they go search it. They're like, Oh, I searched what you were talking about and I love it. And they'll watch it. Like I did something on 90210. So they went and, <laughs> checked out 90210 and you know just they that's um i think that's what's cool about that like you can we can show them what we uh what we did but through youtube and i have to like i'm like hey kids my own kids hey watch my youtube and <laughs> so you can learn something because they won't listen to me they'll listen to my character that's funny but john you bring up a good point too like you know you brought this up earlier i think carmen you did as well which is that that we had a window to watch these things. And then that window was gone mm -hmm. until the next holiday season. Yeah. If, if they want to watch Christmas vacation or a year without a Santa Claus or home alone, it's just, they can watch it in March or June or September. And you know, there's obviously there's, 
that's great. But there also is that there's a little bit of romanticism as we've talked about with blockbuster mm -hmm. and other things that not always getting what you want at your fingertips when it comes to mm -hmm. entertainment and having to wait. So I don't know. We've danced around topics. We've talked about, uh, we started with a year without a Santa Claus. We jumped over to Christmas vacation. We landed on home alone. We've talked about some possible connections. Do you guys have any idea where this might go? Maybe, maybe I had said about the bullies, but then I'm just thinking it's not exactly about the bullies. Maybe it's about the unlikely hero uh, that would be in these movies because Kevin would have been an unlikely hero in mm -hmm. the movie. And oh no, we weren't talking about Rudolph though. We weren't really we were talking, talking about a year without a Santa Claus. Yeah. No, but Mrs. Claus is the huge unlikely hero in that. Yeah. Her and yeah. the tiny little reindeer who was Vixen, who was an yeah. adult in the earlier movie and then a child again. So they a little bit of a time warp there as I think <laughs> about it. But no, that fits. Yeah, and then in uh Christmas Vacation, you know, cousin Eddie maybe Eddie. being a, an unlikely hero that yeah. isn't considered throughout the entire piece, but then at the end, you're like, oh, okay, they they saved the day. Mm -hmm. That's, That's my a great connection. That's a I great I connection. I like that. it. I would have, <laughs> Carmen, if I was you, I'm like, you got me. <laughs> That's really good. Really good. Um, all the time when we come up with little jobs, like I don't know if I'm gonna go as deep as Shell because, like, I saw your uh, the one with like the Charlie's uh, Angels. Yeah, that yeah. one was good. Like you, like really got into it. I was like, John, mine's not gonna be that good. See, but it could have been. <laughs> she does this every episode. Just I, I sometimes I just grab three. Yeah, I just grab three random things and let Shell connect them. Isn't it the truth? There's nothing there. <laughs> All right, so, big reveal. Yeah. Okay. So, even us one? You got nothing? Me? Yeah. I kind of thought I said I I I got nothing. Well, it's on the family. It's like about family. Yeah, I mean what Chris said as far as it draw drew us all together, you know, that's a mm -hmm. huge thing for me. That's what these all in different eras, all in different formats. One was, yeah. you know, a cartoon and one was a straight out comedy and home alone. I'll always say across so many different genres that it's, it's hard to classify, but they yeah. all did the same thing. They got us all in front of the TV sec mm -hmm. as a secondary purpose to watch the show, but the primary was to connect with our family. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's I'll it. Take that one. No, 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 it's not. <laughs> uh, okay. So mine had to do with family and it's about, you know, growing up, did you ever think that, like, my family's so messed up, like, nobody else's family is as messed up as mine? Uh, yeah, they are. Okay, and it shows through, like, all of these movies, right? The misers. They're so dysfunctional. Like, there's so much yeah. jealousy between between them. Uh, vacation. I mean, the yeah. family itself and the extended family coming in proves that everybody's kind of wackadoo, Right. And then Home Alone just takes it over the top with, you know, the parents leaving their kid at home. So, like, the, you know, you have these families who are so dysfunctional, yet they come together and they're still a family and they love each other. And to me, like, watching these things, I'm like, oh, I'm not so messed up after all. Our family's not so messed up after all. Because everybody's like that throughout the years. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, 
So that's kind of like what I got from the movie. Just that I love dysfunctional, it. yeah, crazy dysfunctional Christmas family. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. Carmen, I mean, you're deeper then, than you think. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, and then I had to go that red hair route, right? Because I dyed my hair red. <laughs> um, and we were talking about bullies, right? And, and like the like the the heat miser, just he's out of control. And Kevin's mom was redhead and she was kind of a jerk to Kevin. Like she didn't, yeah. she took Buzz aside when Buzz was a complete animal to, to Kevin. And then, <laughs> and then Clark's mother-in-law is a redhead and she's just like mean to everybody. Like she just like impossible. So there's that, you know, little redhead connection going on. I'm super nice though. That is, I like the redhead connection. No, but I totally like get it with the heat miser. Like I get his like whole shtick about the you know him just him and his brother because you know if you have siblings you feel the same way like mom loves you more or you know bicker buddies kind of deal. that's what we used yeah. to call it yeah bicker buddies you just bicker back and forth and every oh, family yeah. does it and we all look I, I you know it was one of the reasons that shows like Roseanne became so popular was because you know they, they weren't afraid to fight they weren't afraid to bicker they weren't afraid yeah. to be themselves and such so yeah and you had that Along with, you know, because we were watching the Cosby show first and we're like, oh, this perfect family. I wish my family was like this. And then Roseanne comes along <laughs> and shows you the real American family. Like, you know, yeah. this is us. This is our family. And this is the struggle we go through. And yeah, she's she's saved a lot of us from thinking we weren't perfect. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, you forget all of the underlying messages, like Chris said, about the very positive messages in all of these Christmas movies and, and these, there's so many messages that are put throughout all the programming that they had for us as kids. And, and, and I think there was thought put into it. And I wonder today, I don't know if I watch anything with enough depth to ask myself that, but is that, do the kids shows today do the same? I don't know. My kids aren't young anymore. And so I don't know. The kids shows like the kids that my older kids, my high school kids, the kid, they watched a lot of kids shows. My younger kids, my eight and my twin eight year old and nine year old, they do not. They watch YouTube. Like their stuff is YouTube. Yeah, my eleven year old, we have a TV in the back room, the kids' room, and she's never on the TV back there. It might be so, on, but she's. I go, "What are you doing?" She's like, "I'm on phone." I'm like, okay. Hmm. Watching YouTube, watching those things, yeah. it's just cool. Like, I love it, Carmen, because we talked about how these shows created forced family time in a really good way that we. Mm -hmm. It, we were the dysfunctional family on both sides of the television. We were the dysfunctional family coming together, showing love and appreciation for each other on one side of the TV while we were watching the same thing on the other. And that parallel structure, um, as I look back now, is something that probably I've never thought about before. And that's the yeah. thing that I love most about these episodes is it really, I don't think there's been one that hasn't forced me to look back and see things differently than, than how I remembered it initially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I, I never really thought about it that way. So that gives me kind of like an idea like off this topic, right? Because we're talking about like coming together family time. Because I watching sitcoms together with my family was like a huge deal too. Like whatever we could watch together was, was something that we did. Um, but like, I mean, we need to do that again, right? Like, but through like the kids through YouTube. And I get lots of comments like from younger kids I watched this with my mom and she remembers this, that you did this and we watch you together. Um, maybe we need to start doing stuff to where it's like, okay, YouTube is the new family together time kind of deal. You know, I think the there's thing is, I'm there. afraid we'll ruin it. Like anytime we try to meet our kids where they are, they leave. 
<laughs> like when Gen Xers, we all said during like the, the 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 pandemic, the whole COVID thing, a lot of us Gen Xers had downtime for the first time, maybe in our entire lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and we found TikTok and we started connecting. And as soon as we got there, kids were like, "We don't want you here." <laughs> I love the connection. I, I I love, as you all know. I love 80s movies. I love movies in general, but I really love 80s movies and early 90s. And I never thought about these movies in that way, the dysfunctional families, the year without a Santa Claus of the misers. And and I really think it, it's a great message for all of us. And I never really thought about it because my family, just like everybody's, you know, 80s was the uh, divorce decade. And so, um, you know, I was part of that. And to be able to see, you know, when I, my family got together for Thanksgiving or Christmas and I thought, who are these people? Like when I, you know, when I'm sitting at the kids' table, my the adults are all just, you know, what did we use the word earlier? Wackadoodles. Like they just, I couldn't understand all of them, and still to this day, I don't most of them. But I will say that looking back now and thinking about that connection, it's awesome because it did it, it did start to introduce us the, the problems that that they presented in movies and and TV shows about family before the '80s were a little um, I don't want to say cheesy, but kind of after school specialish. And then it was the eighties where they really started to kind of tackle the dysfunction in a real way. Um, but do it in a way that's fun and, and comedy and make you laugh instead of, you know, make you go back and go, Oh my God, this, this sucks. You actually laughed at it and hopefully took that humor into your life as well. We're just really pointing out what the American family really is. Yeah. And it's full of uh, moments like those and, and little annoyances and love and tenderness and unhappiness and happiness and everything all rolled into one. Love it. Yep. I couldn't have wrapped it up better myself, Shell. I mean, honestly, it's, it is exactly all of that. Um, so as we wrap things up, I just want to thank everybody for taking the time to be here again on this very special episode of the Three View Mirror as we celebrate dysfunctional families, love, and getting together to talk about all the things that made the 70s, 80s, and 90s as special as they were. Uh, For this week's episode, this is John Catrides signing off and just saying, if you're enjoying the episode, please remember to subscribe, share with your friends, and make sure to leave a comment down in the comment section so we know where you're... Comment down below. And thank you, Carmen, for coming on and being an awesome hostess. Um, this was cool for me because, you know, this is a new world for me. Um, being introduced to everybody here, you know, Shell and, and John, I'm getting, you know, gotten to know over the last few months, but it's a whole new world for me. It was super exciting and cool to meet you, meet you and you did a great job. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, I was very nervous to do this and I was like, oh my God, how am I going to find three things that connect? Uh, but we did it, guys. <laughs> you rocked it. You really yeah. did. You did an amazing job. I mean, we've been doing Thank this you. now for a while, and to just jump in on this was absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you. All right. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. You and yours, a happy and dysfunctional, whatever it may be, holiday season. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. <laughs> Stay right, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>